0: Are you tired of playing the same old games over and over again? Are you looking to spice up your game night with creative new ideas? Look no further because we're here to add some excitement back into your game nights. We'll even show you how to take your love of games outside the confines of the living room. We're your
1: hosts, Lauren and Greg, and Friday is game night.
0: Happy Friday, everyone!
1: In this episode, we'll discuss games with multiple ways to play. We review The Seals of Cthulhu. For the dice roll, we finally discuss our Dice Tower West Hall. We have a spooky back-to-back escape room report and, of course, our Friday
0: favorites. It's um, quarantine time, Lauren. <laughs> yes,
1: so everyone's having to uh, hunker down and stay in with your loved ones and not really get to um, have normal game nights and fun with uh, friends and um, out and about on town, I guess you say. Right,
0: right. <laughs> And I mean, thankfully, you know, we do have a lot of technology available to us to make this easier, Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know, um, recreation is a way that people can unwind and kind of dump out the stress Mm -hmm, from their mm -hmm. lives. But the problem is also like when you're stuck at home and you have all the options, suddenly none of them sound appealing to you.
1: True. Yeah. I mean, we're, I guess for, to some people we're probably lucky because you and I are both still working, Mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of on and off from home, sometimes from work, depending. Um, but, you know, we don't... So we're not just, you know, left to our own devices all day. Um, but, you know, we too still need to unwind and, you know, are missing certain interactions and things like that. Right. Um, but we found ways to um, to bridge that gap mm-hmm. through technology. Um, so for this game night, I'm bringing Skype. <laughs> because um so we recently did a little game night with um, some friends and tried a couple different services in order to um, share games with them and we actually found skype to be the best we ended up doing um jackbox games which can be played on a pc or um, game console Mm -hmm. and that those are played with your cell phones and people can play them from anywhere the problem is if you are just logging in with your cell phone and you're not actually at the location with the people playing it on the console, you can't see in here. You can't see who's on the leaderboard. You don't know who won. Um, and it's also, very
0: limiting. You're getting half the information because yeah. there was one game that we played where they were supposed to have three choices. And if you're just looking at your phone, there's no way you're going to know that without having to hear yeah. television prompt.
1: Yeah, so we tried Zoom, we tried a couple different ways, Google Hangouts.
0: And just for some reason, Skype was the one that naturally worked the best.
1: Place. Yeah, because it allowed us to not only share our computer screen, but also our computer audio, which was very important. Because part of Jackbox, if you've ever played it, there's like this funny dialogue going mm-hmm. on. And there's some things that are explained out loud that aren't necessarily on the screen. Right. Um, so we found that Skype was the best Um. Tool for that.
0: Also, Skype with us ensuring the audio didn't also have a weird audio feedback. Mm-hmm. Well, I think which one? One of the other ones we tried it, and granted, I'm not fully versed in all these different things like Zoom and Google Hangouts and all mm-hmm. that. But one of them, like I tried to do it, and it gave like this really weird feedback loop that was causing like you know high pitch noises yeah. and like so I probably did something wrong. Nothing against those companies mm-hmm. and their products, yeah. but just Skype was automatically set up for me anyways yeah. to be this is gonna work perfect.
1: Yeah, so it made it a lot of fun. So, we definitely, um, if you are looking for something that you can share your screen with um, and do that kind of thing with, we recommend Skype for that.
0: Right. And what I'm bringing to game night is randomization. Mm -hmm. Because, like I said, sometimes it's hard to choose one. And if you go and purposely try to be like, well, what do I want to play? You Mm -hmm. know, you'll be there forever. Yeah. You know, like we've all been there, like we have dozens of options in front of you. And yet none of, like, you have a reason to shoot every one of them down.
2: Mm -hmm. I
0: want to play this, but I don't want it to for that reason. I want to play that. I don't want to play it for this reason. Yeah. So I am just going to randomly pick something, and that's what we're playing. Mm -hmm. And also, in the game, randomly pick something. You know, (laughs) so, like, if there's any kind of a character class. Uh The problem with going back to games over and over again, of course, is that sometimes you want to go for what you already know is, like, the better pick. The yeah, more optimal the, pick. The you proven know. success. So I'm saying randomize, don't optimize. Mm-hmm. You know, like, hey, just pick two, like, you know, smash up. You know, like, there's proven sets that I know r- work really well. Yeah. But sometimes you find weird combos that are if not winners, at least entertaining to play. Yeah,
1: and, and Smash Up in particular, sometimes having that randomness provides a new challenge where you're like, okay, I have to work with this. Right. So I'm
0: going to figure it out. Right. Or for another one um, in the uh, Forbidden series, mm-hmm. there's certain classes that I prefer to work with, but being forced to do a class I'm not used to will then make me essentially come at the game from another angle. Mm-hmm. of like I have these new special abilities and I got to learn how best to use this character and be part of the team with this, mm-hmm. you know. Cuz remember, the point of games is to have fun playing it. Mm-hmm. It's not to win, it's to play. Yeah. So if you lose, that's okay. <laughs> Unless there's money involved, then be upset.
1: <laughs> well, let's get into the episode. All right. So, um in this episode, we're going to be talking about um games that have multiple ways that you can play them and this is not to say that you have come up with house rules or you've come up with creative ways to play them but the game itself actually has different rule sets or different variants built in already Mm -hmm. so i think you know a really basic example of this would be cards against humanity Cards Against Humanity, if you actually read the rulebook, which very few of us do because it's a very self-explanatory game, mm-hmm. um, they actually have different ways to mix up the game. One of the popular ones and the one we do often is called Rando, right. where as you're playing, you know, say you have four players, so that person would normally who's judging would have three cards that they're judging. Well, you throw in one from the top as well. And that mixes things up. It gives them more of a choice. Um, It makes the stakes higher.
0: And also it's more funny when a random chance card is the one that they chose over everyone else's purposeful decision. Mm
1: -hmm. So that's that's a very basic version of what
0: we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. One one thing that a lot of games do is they will offer some kind of a limited players options. Mm -hmm. You know? Because some games you do need like four more players to really work with. Uh-huh. And so, you know, something like Mysterium, they'll be like, okay, so if one person is the ghost and the other person is the detectives, but they're going to take on like three or four detectives at once. Yeah. You know? And I don't like that as much just because it's a lot of juggling you have to do. But one that I think is actually okay to do and manage with is Betrayal at House on the Hill. Uh-huh. That one actually has it. So if you have just two players, what you do is you yes, you're each taking care of two of the investigators. each, yeah. and you're going through, and it's a cooperative game. But then once the you know the table turns and the haunt is revealed, whoever is the haunter and whichever character that is, that person obviously becomes the villain. Mm-hmm. But then their th- secondary character is absorbed by the other player. Mm-hmm. You know, so like you're not taking care of three players the entire game. And also like what that person was building is now yours, uh-huh. you know? So it's kind of a nice little trade-off of like, oh, now my team is stronger even though you're about to go psychotic crazy with these monsters or whatever on you, mm-hmm. you know? So I do like that, how you're still both working towards building yourselves up, but then some of the progress they made now becomes your progress, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I, I enjoy that dynamic. It's not just constantly juggling multiple characters, but it's like you get benefits from work someone else did.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, another good example I can think of is um sushi go especially specifically sushi go party right. um because there's a lot more cards mm-hmm. and it actually has if you read through the rules there's different games you can play within it True. of sushi go um and it makes it different um different cards um and it's specifically set up to work together yeah it's like different
0: menu options mm-hmm. you know so like oh this is like the just the appetizer Menu or something, yeah. Or like, this is the desserts one, you know, mm-hmm. and they, yeah, there's different combinations of cards because realistically, you're not supposed to play with all the cards that come with that yeah. game, yeah. You're supposed to take like this set versus that set mm-hmm. because they interact differently, with yeah, each
1: other. exactly.
0: Yeah, um, another one I thought was interesting was uh, the Arena of the Gods, which is one we actually got from the mm-hmm. convention two years ago, yeah. And in that one, it's typical. it's kind of like king of new york or king of tokyo where it's like you're taking care of these giant you know colossal figures that are super Uh powerful and you're fighting each other in this arena but in arena of the gods what i think is interesting is they have what's called titan mode where instead of it just being a battle royale
2: Uh it's
0: all versus one but the one is three times as strong yeah they get first to cherry pick all the best weapons and armor and mounts mm. that are available in the game, yeah. and then they have three times as much health, uh-huh. and they win if they kill all the other players. Yeah, but all the other players win as long as the titan goes down.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. A, I mean, you can. What's interesting about that game is you can play it two player kind of normally, mm-hmm. um, or it, that that way that you're talking about the titan mode that works really good for two player as well. Or I mean, you could even have a, multiple people playing it right. with that Titan mode um, where one person is controlling the Titan and the others are all controlling the players. Cause
0: the thing but, that I think is kind of that I don't like about mm-hmm. that game for the normal mode, the yeah. battle Royale is it says that once one player gets knocked out the game's over, Uh huh. which I understand why they do that. Cause it solves the waiting for the game to be done.
1: Yeah. Problem. Yeah.
0: But in a player game...
1: elimination is not popular anymore. Yeah.
0: But in a game where everybody is working towards taking down this one guy.
1: Mm-hmm. you know,
0: there's still some satisfaction to be like I helped wear him down, even though I lost Lauren delivered the killing blow. Uh-huh.
2: Yeah. That's still
0: fun to watch that as long as it doesn't drag on super mm-hmm. long. but you know it's it's an interesting variant that I think is much well appreciated, you know,
1: yeah, I think you know the benefit of having these kind of alternative ways to play is it gives a, the a, a single game more versatility and more replayability as well um not only you know i think probably the most common way we see this mm-hmm. is a uh, variance for player count right if you have two players this is how you should play the game right. if you have three that's that's the most common you see that a lot in different games But when a game actually has different ways that you can play that single game, Mm -hmm. it gives it so much more variety and so much more replayability that you can um, bring it out to the table, I think, more
0: often. Right. And I mean, some games even have solo variants built into it. True, yeah. For example, I know that the Firefly game, that one that has all the components of the world in it, (laughs) it it does have multiple episodes almost Mm -hmm. of like your main goals do this and your main goals do that. But it does have a specific set of goals that you can play if you're just solo Mm -hmm. where you get to hand pick your crew ahead of time typically the cast of the actual show Uh and then you do this thing you know but otherwise you can pick which objective you want or another one that i like is the last night on earth series by flying frog Mm -hmm. because there they actually have different like almost like um cheesy sci-fi channel episodes where like okay the objective is you got to get to the car and get it full of gas and leave Uh or the objective is you have to kill 20 zombies Mm -hmm. or the objective you know yeah and so it's it's the same game with the same rules variant but the the focus is different about getting this one item or you know surviving for 10 rounds or something like that i I enjoy how that mixes up as well Mm -hmm. you know because then i always like to lock in my character first before i find out what the objective is Mm -hmm. because then like i can't optimize once again don't optimize, randomize. You
1: know. <laughs> um, and then there's a lot of games now, too, that are moving to having like an app companion, mm-hmm. which not only can make it possible to do solo modes, but also can add a different variant. You know, We've done Clank with the app where it will add in an extra thing that you oh, will yeah. mess
0: up your gameplay or something right. like well, that. Uh, the, the Clank for app by Renegade Games, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. one thing I really enjoy about that is it will automatically eliminate cards that are in the adventure row to buy from Mm -hmm. every round so if you can't buy it now be careful because there's a one in seven or two in seven chance that it will not be available Mm
1: -hmm. it will just be
0: eliminated but also it will reward you if you do certain things it will tell you hey the first person to get a big secret they get a special reward and then you find out later oh you get five extra gold for that or hey you get three extra buying power for your next round Uh which is enjoyable and gives you like I was gonna do this, but that goal is so tempting. If I can make a quick side trip Mm -hmm. to go do that, I can maybe, you know, it'll slow me up and make me take an extra turn to get to that big artifact, but could be worth the reward.
1: Mm -hmm. It kind of changes your play and it adds a bit more randomness to it and Mm -hmm. an unexpected
0: element. Right, and I mean, they also what's interesting about the game is they have this, at least I remember in the fantasy version, I don't remember if it's in the sci-fi version, but the original fantasy version, there's this Medusa lieutenant. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do the objectives at a certain time, she gets upset and she punishes you. Yeah. Like, okay, no one did what I asked them to do. Dragon's attacking. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I said so. Yeah. So it's interesting that you also have to appease this warden, essentially, to make sure that she doesn't totally wreck your game for no reason <laughs> other than, well, you didn't listen to me. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I enjoy is when games have their own difficulty meter. Mm-hmm. The gameplay itself doesn't change, but what changes is how far behind the eight ball you start. For example, the Forbidden series. Yeah. That one, what I think is so great is that in all of them they have this nice, thick stock cardboard like rectangle that essentially is like a meter for like how bad things are getting. Like mm-hmm. the first one's a water meter, the second one's the sands rising. I forget what the third one is, but it's something like that, like the winds are picking up or something. Yeah. And. What I love is that it's noted on the thing near the bottom. Like, okay, if you're a novice and new to the game, start down here. Because you have a few extra, you know, turns, essentially, before the game just automatically ends. But if you're, like, really well in tune with the game and you know what you're doing, you think mm-hmm. you're dialed in, start a Legendary. So you have the minimum number of turns possible to try to get through this, you know, before you just get screwed. Mm-hmm. And I think it's fascinating how, like, you you feel cocky You're like oh come on I I can at least handle. <laughs> we've played this many times. We I remember I remember the first time we played um, Forbidden Desert. Uh-huh. I was like come on we've played Forbidden Island to death we know what we're doing yeah let's at least start on like normal not even mm-hmm. novice got our butts handed to us because <laughs> it's a different game
1: yeah and Forbidden Desert I think Forbidden Desert I would say Forbidden Desert's the most difficult of the series um I we haven't really had a hard time with Forbidden Sky. Our only problem with Forbidden Sky is the first time we kind of realized, oh, we need to be more strategic on how we're laying things out so we Mm -hmm. can make these circuits. Um, But also, I would say um, Pandemic. Doesn't that also have, um, you can set a different difficulty? You can
0: can choose how many of the um, Epidemic cards you put into the deck. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think the game itself suggests a certain number. I want to say it's four, maybe five. But you can put... Card six, card seven, if you get one of the expansions, like the red box expansion on the brink.
2: Mm-hmm. it gives you
0: another one so you can put card eight into there so you can really up to the difficulty, yeah. which I appreciated that. In the expansion, they're like, hey, are you tired of it being too easy? Here you go, make it more hard for you.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like if you're playing a video game, usually there's a normal easy or hard mode mm-hmm. that you can change it to. It's kind of the same with board games. Right. Um, some of these have kind of that built in as well. And right? that's
0: my problem. I always go straight to like the, well, how bad is hard mode?
1: <laughs>
0: and then I get like frustrated after an hour of just being beaten to a bloody pulp like okay let's go back down to normal. I always start at normal. (laughs) I don't go easy, but I start at normal. I'm very much I see a challenge and I accept it, you know? (laughs)
1: Um and I think, you know, recently we came across this um with a game that we purchased that we've been playing a lot rival restaurants. Um and that's kind of what inspired this. So um although technically I I don't know that it's written in the rules that you don't have to play with the chef's abilities. Um, but we, our first couple of times kind of realized that the chefs were going to be, um, we're going to add an extra level of difficulty that maybe we didn't need for our first time. So we left them out.
0: Yeah. They, they were, don't get me wrong. They're a great addition. I think Uh they add extra character pun intended Mm -hmm. to the game. Yeah. But their powers are fun enough that with a large group of people, I think they could be interesting. Mm -hmm. Some of them, I feel like only would hit with larger numbers yeah we we usually play with four players Mm -hmm. and some of them it's like okay but how often is this really going to happen yeah unless i have like five or more and i think Mm. that game goes up to like six or eight depending on which version you have right um but my my problem with it though is that many of the abilities are negative towards other players yeah it's a little bit
1: take that
0: which i don't like Mm. and the game, it, so, so we didn't play with that for the longest time Yeah. We were like, uh, and like granted, some of them are just self-focusing. Yeah. Like one of them is you can substitute two vegetable products for any meat product. Yeah. So that way, if you have a ton of vegetables and you mm-hmm. can't find that one meat, who cares? Just do that, you know? Yeah, or
1: one of the ones I had was um, in addition to the market he's at, he could also buy one face down item from any of the other markets.
0: Right, and well. that doesn't affect my game. Mm-hmm. It just boosts your level. Yeah, it helps me. Right, so I appreciate that and I like that. We played just recently with the two-player variant they recommend
2: mm-hmm. in
0: which you have three chefs in front of you. And you can choose every single turn which chef's ability you want to use. Uh-huh. I like that. It gives you flexibility. Yeah. You're kind of essentially like a Hydra super chef. Mm-hmm. Like which head is dominant today. Yeah. But the thing that I didn't like was the NPC, or as they call it, the non-plating chef. Mm-hmm. I call him the sous chef. I think that's a bit more important. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to say sous chef. But yeah. that's for them, they're non-plating chef. So the sous chef, those come from a predetermined list of chefs that are in the game uh-huh and those are meant to be the most take that ha ha i stopped you
2: uh-huh. kind of
0: abilities like one of them is a guy who if you happen to go there as well you just can't buy anything yeah he blocks, because you, he blocks you the other guy is if you go there and he's there oh you have to pay him money yeah and the a problem that came up was you only had $300. Mm-hmm. And the guy says you had to pay him 200 just for being in the same spot. Yeah. So you went to a place and you're like, well, now I literally cannot buy anything mm-hmm. because everything here costs 200 Yeah. So I effectively, without meaning to, mm-hmm. killed your turn. Yeah. Now, the other thing I do like about the sous chefs, though, that I think is a benefit is you can send them out to different location mm-hmm. than your main chef and you can buy... Ingredients from different stores. Yeah. Because the problem with, um, or not a problem, but one of the challenges with rival restaurants is that all the different ingredients are expiring on the mm-hmm. shelves. And if you're not quick enough, I really need flour and that's about to go, but I haven't seen shellfish in the longest time and it's also about to expire. Yeah. So I have to make that choice. Do I go for the shellfish and hope that bread comes up again mm-hmm. or flour or, you know? Yeah. So in this case, you can send your sous chef to one of the other locations. That he or she has to pay a hundred dollars more, mm-hmm. but I think that's an interesting sacrifice to make.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we we started playing with this two player variant of the each each person essentially controlling four chefs, two at all times, mm-hmm. right? And we were finding one that we were really like hurting one another yeah. to where you know it. I had a couple turns where I couldn't do anything, or you would get you know something done to you where you couldn't do something. And also just from on a personal note, I know as soon as we started playing that way, I was like, this is like way too much to have to pay attention to. Right. A lot of times I was just randomly sending my other chef out because not with any rhyme or reason, but just because I knew I had to. And I was just like, okay, go here. I don't know.
0: And like yeah, because you have to you have to send two people out. So you have to yeah. decide you always like I really need to go here, but then I need to go there and blah blah blah. Uh-huh. But then you're like, oh, but where can I see the guy? And I can see how if I wanted to be like vindictive, mm-hmm. I could be like, where do I think she's going to go? Yeah, and I'll put my guy there to try mm-hmm. to like mess with her. But like I said. For some people, if you like to play that way, awesome. I'm glad you enjoyed yeah. that. More power to you. Have fun with
1: it. Mm-hmm.
0: We're not those people.
1: Yeah. And in, I don't know. I find like when I'm playing rival restaurants and don't get us wrong, I love this game. I'm not really so much focused on what you're doing. I'm, I'm not going to a store to buy an ingredient that I know you need
0: I'm just worrying about what I need. Yeah, same thing with, like, and Ticket to Ride. my things done. It's just like Ticket to Ride, where, like, if you know I need yellows, mm-hmm. and a yellow finally comes up, you're not going to take that unless you also need a yellow card. Uh-huh. We, we don't play that way. Yeah. Or, like, if you know I really need to get the thing from Boston to New York, mm-hmm. you're not going to take that just to mess up my game. Mm-hmm. You're only going to take that if, I'm you sorry, but I also it. need Boston to New York. Yeah. You know, it's... We or get, that is the fastest way to do my thing. I need to. Take we do that. happen to get in each other's ways. Don't get us yeah. wrong. and we're like, oh darn you! I needed that route so uh-huh. bad, I had to go all the way around. Yeah, but it's incidental, mm-hmm. not purposeful. And I think that's the thing. It's 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 frustrating, but also fun when it happens. Because mm-hmm. oh, now I have to come up with a new battle plan. Yeah, but I, I think to be like the ha ha. <laughs> yeah like
1: yeah so it, you know we we quickly kind of realized that well one it was just too much to keep track of mm-hmm. um so we decided to essentially get rid of that extra sure chef, chef. Yeah. yeah and just have those three chefs that could do
0: our bidding. i still like the super powered like you know i might take it down to two mm-hmm. because three abilities is uh, kind well, of well and lot. also
1: like we said um i was only using one i didn't use it all the other two I kind of used, but yeah. then I kind of started favoring one of them because they, in just two player, not all of them made sense. Right. So we also kind of went through the game after that and came, decided which chefs were appropriate for two player games. And, and I think those the, were the ones we would pick from. The
0: chefs with many of their abilities do involve buying things, mm-hmm. you know. So. I think if you pick your two chefs, and then you just pick which one of those you want to send out every day, but then you have the option of which ability am I using this turn. Mm-hmm. I think that gives you fair enough flexibility to make it interesting. Yeah. You know. And essentially, the game is just a puzzle of, like, I need to get this, but I also need to save it for that. And mm-hmm. I need to make allowances for in case that I can't find this in time. Yeah,
1: I think the other problem with the—when the, we had the sous chef mm-hmm. um, was— Maybe later in the game, it would be okay. But in the beginning, we didn't really have that much money anyway. Right. So you weren't really using that other chef to also buy things because you couldn't spare an extra hundred. And
0: the only reason I see why you would use them in the beginning is like to prevent other people from getting traction. Uh Uh-huh. But this is the two-player game. The other person is the only other person at the table. Uh-huh. And I want to make him rage quit immediately.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I
0: don't see the appeal of that.
1: Mm-hmm. So. But, I mean, it is nice that they have those built-in
0: variations to make gameplay different. Right. And, I mean, when we were at uh, Dice Tower West 2020, mm-hmm. before the COVID-19 outbreak.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> we, we,
0: it was when it was still just in the news in China, guys. You yeah. Know? But... um. We actually ran into the guys who created rival restaurants at their booth because they were uh-huh. advertising it. We got lucky and actually got to go to one of their home stores where mm-hmm. we just happened to see a copy and you are like, I'm buying it. Yeah, but yeah. They and were selling it at the at the um, convention.
1: Yeah, they were, and they were also, of course, advertising the new um, expansion that's coming out, which we also already backed. And you know, back for seconds. Yeah, we can't wait to get that. They're having
0: a Greek restaurant. I have to. I love Greek food. Yeah, they also have a German restaurant, and we love German food we too. We do, yeah. Plus, they have a British pub. Yes. That's just, you're all about that. (laughs) But it was interesting. We were talking to the guys, sharing our experiences. And we said, yeah, we actually have yet to play with the chefs. And they said, how interesting. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You know, it's kind of, they say when you're designing games, like you should watch how people play. Mm
1: -hmm. And I
0: guess they never saw people cast aside the chefs and decide to just not play with them. Mm -hmm. And see that we still had fun with it.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I mean, it's so revealing talking to these people. So if you ever get a chance to go to Dice Tower, talk with the vendors, honestly. Mm -hmm. They are fascinating people, and they will give you all sorts of weird insights into games that you might not have seen. Yeah, or why they
1: did certain things. Or like, you know, in this case, they got insight from us to where we're like, yeah, well, we just don't play with that part of the game that often just because we have fun with just this part of it. Right.
0: So, but uh, while we were at the Dice Tower convention, we actually came across a couple other fun people too, Mm -hmm. including a friend of ours who gave us a game to review for you. Yes. So now we're going to go into a special segment of a review corner yeah. for the Seals of Cthulhu. Yes. So this, uh, we happened to run into the creator mm-hmm. at the convention. You got in touch with him through our Twitter, I believe. Yeah. And um, it is by Thing 12 Games, and it is a two-player game uh, that's kind of like a bidding game. Yes. Where you're you're bidding investigators and cultists to try to gain artifacts that belong within the Cthulhu realm. Yeah. You know, parts of uh, seals that would unlock the sleeping elder gods, you mm-hmm. know? And I gotta say, first impressions the box. That the it box comes is in, really cool, yeah. It's pretty, pretty cool. It's got a magnetic seal on it, you know, mm-hmm. like you can hear it. You know, that's it, the magnet's closing on it so it's like nice and firmly shut. Yeah,
1: well it, it looks like it looks like a book.
0: It does. Right. And what I like is that it has the plastic sleeve that goes over it to make uh-huh. sure it stays tight and shut. But the plastic sleeve itself in a rare bit of genius also has a bit of art on it what mm-hmm. looks like a chain and a padlock keeping the book closed
1: yeah and when you open it the it, the box actually looks like a hollowed out book that mm. you're then finding these items in and the whole like kind of idea behind it is basically there is this secret government organization that has been keeping these relics safe and top secret, but they have gotten out and they have essentially changed history. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you're trying to pair these relics together, the investigators against the cultists who are trying to use them and through this betting style, um, one person ends up winning.
0: Right. So essentially it's an auction game Mm -hmm. where you have uh, five tokens in front of you, the other person has five tokens in front of them, and you see a card on the table that is either worth this many buying points later or mm-hmm. worth this many victory points later. But you
1: can't see that card. That's the thing.
0: Yeah. And so you're essentially putting forward bids of I bid three cultists. Mm-hmm. Well, I bid four investigators. Whoever puts the fourth most bid takes the card, but then the other person takes those resources.
2: Mm-hmm. So you're
0: constantly trading resources back and
2: forth. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, essentially, you're trying to pick and choose your battles. Yeah. We had to play this a couple of times to really get the full swing of it.
1: Yeah, well, and then the other thing is, when you do get these cards, and if you make a match between two of them, um, they have certain abilities. Mm. And they a lot of the abilities involve kind of flipping cards. Because you have to
0: show that you've used it or not, Well, the other cards let you be able to flip those back over. Well,
1: yeah. The whole idea with flipping it is, you is you know, you're blindly betting on these things, right? Mm-hmm. And so by being able to flip these cards, you're able to see what you're betting on. Right. And kind of control things differently. So, you know, and then once you've done that, you flip a card over... And you can no longer use that ability, but another card might have the ability to unflip
0: it so you can use it again. And we should say the cards that are being put out, yeah. we are taking turns from our hand putting one out on the auction So table. only one person knows what is but actually it's true there. value is. Yeah. And it's interesting because they have inverse values where the one that's worth five victory points is only worth one auction point at the end. Mm-hmm. And vice versa. The one that's worth five auction points is only worth one victory point. So you kind of have to, once you recognize that, uh-huh. then you know, like which ones you want to grab early. So then you know which ones to grab later. Yeah. You know, my problem with the game though, was just the, it takes a while to wrap your head around that. Yeah. And to wrap your head around the whole activating cards to like get combos going and stuff. Exactly.
1: Yeah. It, the, definitely the hardest part was figuring out how to activate cards, when to activate them and why. Um, because they kind of seemingly all just do the same thing. Mm-hmm. They all just are like, oh, well, you flip a card. But it, it all depends on which card it is that you're flipping. Um, so that was a little um, hard to wrap our heads around, I would say. Yeah.
0: The other problem I have with it, I this is my personal opinion. Uh-huh. I feel that the number of cultists and investigators you have is too limited.
1: Because yeah. actually,
0: I'm counting again, there's only four for each side. Mm-hmm. So if I try to bid four onto the first thing, then on my next turn, I have nothing I can do. Mm-hmm. And you can just put out the thing saying, one cultist, and then you just give that well, to me.
1: yeah, I'm trying to remember, can't you also use cards to
0: bid? You, well, you can use cards, but I'm saying uh, on the very first turn, uh, yeah. like, you know.
1: Yeah, it, you have to be very strategic about your betting so that you don't end up that it way. It feels
0: like, the game itself, okay, here's here's the best analogy I can come. Mm-hmm. The game itself kind of feels like the box. It's beautiful to look at. It's really well-themed. But it feels, to me, a bit hollow inside. Mm -hmm. Like, there's great ideas there. But I wish there was more for me to play with. You know, like, I wish I had a few more tokens so that I can, like, kind of stretch out my... A
1: few more tokens and maybe a few more abilities. I wish there was a little bit more variety in what the cards can do. Um, There is... This game is, is kind of going along with the theme of our episode, um, it has a di- couple different ways you can play it. There's an addition of like character cards right. that also give you some other abilities, which is kind of nice because, like I said, the the cards themselves are kind of are limited to sort of flipping other cards mm-hmm. around. And those so... abilities, I think, you
0: can only activate once per game. Pretty but, much,
1: because but... the game. That's the other thing. The game is very short. It's a very like quick. Play it's like game. a twenty
0: minute game at best. Yeah. Yeah, like you'll you'll be done before you know it and you're like oh, i guess we should go again
1: yeah and you're like oh i guess i should have actually used my power instead of just you know because right. you, you sometimes you're like okay well i don't want to do this yet right um
0: like don't get me wrong i enjoy this game and i think it's a very fun yeah game to play, and i
1: think i think the thing about this game is so we're not huge cthulhu fans I but i know that, yeah. i know that there's some people out there who just really love the theme of cthulhu they're really into the lore and things like that I would say if you are a big Cthulhu fan, this is definitely a must for you. Um, just because, you know, the two, being that it's a two-player game, which is can be kind of rare sometimes. Mm-hmm. And um, the look of it, the
0: theme of and it. And it's short because some of the other Cthulhu games, like, mm-hmm. um, I think it's called Mansions of Madness off the top of my head. Uh-huh. Those games usually are better with, like, more people. And they usually take longer. Yeah. Like 60 to maybe 90 minutes or something. This is like a bite-sized game that you can have before mm-hmm. a bigger thing like that. So this is like your appetizer game, yeah. You know, and it's good for what it is. I think mm-hmm. it's just like I said. I would have preferred maybe one or two more tokens on mm-hmm. each side, so I have a bit more play. Because having just four, I feel like that's not enough. And yeah, I'm I'm sure that it was play tested and whittled down to those numbers uh-huh. for reasons. Yeah. It's just my personal taste.
1: And we also, we've only played this like once or twice now. So, you know, I think maybe once you've played it multiple times, you'll start to get a feel for certain things better. Um, That was just sort of our initial impression of it. Yeah. Um, But, you know, it's always nice to have a two-player game, um, especially now where we can't go out. and Mm -hmm. um, So we definitely appreciate that. It's a really cool game. It looks really cool on the shelf. Um, So, you know, I, I definitely would... Um, recommend, especially if you are a Cthulhu fan, um, to look up the Seals of Cthulhu. Right. Well, let's continue the Dice Tower theme and talk about um, our Dice Tower purchases in the Dice Roll. That
0: is right.
1: <laughs> so I think we did pretty good um, at Dice Tower. Um, I know we did a whole episode uh, last month about Dice Tower, but we weren't able to talk about everything, and so we kind of saved this little bit um, out for a later date. Right. Um, but we didn't go too crazy with purchases this time.
0: We no, were pretty good. No, I, was, I was restrained. Um,
1: especially for most of the convention. The very end, that might have been a different story.
0: Well, because we went to that like flea market.
1: Exactly. So the only brand new game we bought, we only bought one brand new game. And that was something that you bought that you fell in love with over in the demo area. I
0: did. It's called Paranormal uh, Detectives. Yes. And it is like the next level of Mysterium.
1: Exactly. It's very similar to Mysterium, but with more player
0: interaction and more variation. Mm-hmm. While Mysterium is always just focused on the tarot cards, Yeah. this one gives you the abilities to, you know, like mime things, to. You know, first of all, use actual tarot cards like Uh the tower, the levers, things like that, which I appreciate. Uh, You can use like a ghost meter to like indicate that something was like heavy or light or cold Mm -hmm. or hot or something. You You can use a Ouija board. You you
1: can use um, the player's hand to draw something.
0: Right. They they really did a lot of different ways to interact with the paranormal investigators, which I appreciate. Uh I also appreciate that in this game, there's a variant of play where they recognize that some people do not like to be touched. Yeah. Some people do not like other people to touch them, even if you are good friends. It's just mm-hmm. you know, I I don't like that personal feeling. So they say in those in that case, like check with everyone first, and if someone doesn't like that, these cards that we have in here can be substituted for some other option, mm-hmm. which I do appreciate. That. Yeah. I like that, and so we of course always make it a point before we play asking the question. Are you okay with me drawing a shape with one finger on your back or are or you okay with me grabbing your wrist your hand. and moving your wrist as you draw? Yeah. It? You know, and so far we've had that's fine. Mm-hmm. But if there ever was a no for any reason, then okay, well we have a way to get around
1: that. Yeah, it's not just like we can't play this game. Right. And that's from a uh, Lucky Duck, right? Yes, Lucky Duck. Yeah. Um so that was that was our only new game purchase. We did purchase something else in the vendor hall. Yeah. Um we got these really cool little trays that are essentially, you can keep like your little player tokens in them.
0: Right. The little token trays, I'd say they're about two inches squared and then about half an inch deep with a spout on the end. And they have a little spout on one of the ends mm-hmm. that lets you then pour your tokens easily back into their Ziploc bags. Mm-hmm. Nice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we got them in a, a couple different colors. Um, so they kind of match your typical um, player colors. As well, and oh, they stack as well. I love that. I
0: got all the the Hogwarts colors, of course. I got red, blue, <laughs> yeah. yellow, green, and I had to get a purple because we have
1: one friend who is always purple. If they're if purple is an option,
0: it, exactly. <laughs> Purple's an option. She's getting. Purple,
1: yeah, right? but yeah, it makes it really easy to get them back in those little tiny bags. Um, so it's a nice little, you know, game accessory, um, and I believe. Um, I'm not sure when, but I believe our friend who owns a 3D parenting business is also going to be offering almost um, identical trays in the future. Yeah. Um, so if you're f- fans of our Instagram, you know we've talked about um, some of his creations for a while. So um, be on the lookout for those. Yeah. From
0: unknown fear creations. Yeah.
1: But then, so we we did good. We didn't purchase a lot of stuff. We were good, good kids. Um, except, Until the end. Yeah. The end day. Um, so we kind of talked a little bit about in our last episode about how they were going to do this um, uh, flea market mm-hmm. thing. And we hadn't been able to go to the one the previous year because I had gotten really sick the last day of the convention. Well, this time we, we were going to go because both of us were nice and healthy at, by the end of the convention. Um, and so we didn't really know what to expect from this flea market. Um, other than that, people were going to be selling secondhand games. That's all. That's all we knew. Yeah. Um, so when they started telling us um, early on that people were already lining up, we were kind of like lining up for for what? For we for should that? wrap up like, the game we're playing right now. Yeah. Though. So we went and got in line, still not sure what to Thank expect. Thank the Lord. Thankfully, we did because we we got a pretty good spot in line, not right in front, but pretty close. Yeah. Um. And so what they were doing is they were letting people in kind of in a limited basis because it was in a rather small room. And it was kind of pandemonium. It was pretty tight. Neither of us do really good in those kind of situations, but we tried to focus in on our task.
0: It's weird how <laughs> we had that just before all the social distancing. I know, it's like right. Of
1: it. <laughs> well, Vegas in general, right? Right. Um, but it was you know, people who were selling games and it wasn't just like, oh, I have one game to sell. It was they had a little table with multiple games mm-hmm. to sell. And it was up to their discretion on how they were selling them, what condition they were, how much they were, you know, whatever. And we didn't go in with any idea of what we wanted necessarily. We more just wanted to go in and see what was going on. You know, what what did people have to offer? Um, But we quickly found a couple things um, that have been on our want list. Right.
0: Very second table I saw, Guy had... Harry Potter Battle for Hogwarts. And I'm mm-hmm. like, our, we play that with our friends. They have a copy, but we know, we know and have learned recently that Lauren loves deck builders. Yeah. So I was like, I know that she also loves Harry Potter. And
1: we had been talking about buying that game, but we had been holding off because it's good, what, $40 at least?
0: $40, $50, bucks depending
1: And on. our friends have it, and we play it a lot with our friends. Right. So we weren't, we were like, we know at some point we want this game, mm-hmm. but we
0: hadn't really justified the purchase yet. So I said, I said to the guy, "How much? Twenty bucks sold." Yeah. So and we... <laughs> that, that's that's the thing that's interesting about this is that I know there's a hundred people online behind me. Yeah. If I walk away from this table looking for a better deal in this room, uh-huh. I will not be able. And to come
1: it, back. it wasn't. He wasn't the only person selling that game. So that's the thing too. Like you could go to another table and it could be more, or it could be less. Or it you could don't be not know. There. Yeah. Exactly. So you kind of had to like. Take things as you found them. Right. Um, another one. So we so we were able to get that at you know a much less than what we would have paid retail. Also,
0: fantastic condition.
1: And I think that was true for um, the majority of the games. I mean, I think being that we were at a board gaming convention. Um, these are all people who probably take good care of their games yeah. and would know if something was missing, and so they probably wouldn't have brought it, or they would have said, hey, this is missing. Yeah. Um, so you kind of were in safe hands in that respect.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I didn't feel that I needed to double-check anything as I bought it. Yeah. I fully trusted everything wholesale for what was being given
1: to me. Yeah. So, and then for me, I had seen a game... Um, in the library, actually. Mm-hmm. And it was just the box caught my eye. And it was called um, Ashes: Rise of the Phoenixborn. Fair. Didn't really know anything about it. The only thing I had noticed was that it was made by Plaid Hat Games. And I tend to be a big fan of anything Plaid Hat Games. Right. Um, and so I remember it was the last day I saw it in the library. I thought, oh, this looks cool. But we don't have time to learn a new game right now. You know, the convention is winding down. So, you know, maybe I took a picture of it. And I was like, maybe I'll look it up later, you know. Um, So as I was wandering around this room, you know, kind of trying to, like, frantically scope things out and then Uh get out, you know, um, I saw someone with a copy of it. And they wanted like $40. And I was like, you know, $40. For like, a game I, that you don't know. A game I don't know, not going to happen. So I kept walking and then I came past this table of this nice couple and it said $10. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I looked at the people and I said, $10? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, sold. Yeah. I'm like, because $10, you know, maybe I won't like this game, but it's only $10. Like right. I'm willing to
0: risk And I will $10. say, I think the game is actually interesting for those of you who haven't seen it. It's essentially Magic the Gathering, yet instead of having cards for your mana pool, you're rolling dice every turn. Yeah. And so based upon what the dice come out as depends Mm -hmm. on what you can do. So I think that's very interesting. And it's supposed to have like a backstory to it too, like how Magic the Gathering does. Uh If you want to get into the backstory, you can or you don't have to. Yeah. I
1: I think the only thing I've kind of seen about it is, so I believe this game came out at the time that Plaid Hat was going through an ownership change. So they had really big plans for this game that kind of fell by the wayside. You can tell
0: that this is supposed to be like the start of a big universe.
1: Yeah. And so that never really happened. So I think this game's kind of gotten maybe a little bit forgotten about or it was going to be the big thing and then it turned out not being it. Um, But, you know, like I said, we knew Plaid Hat is a game company that we really like. Mm -hmm. Um, It looked really cool. It was a well worth a $10 gamble. We haven't gotten it out to the table yet, but we, you know, it's not that we're not planning to. So, oh, there was also one other game that we bought while we were there. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was kind of a silly buy. <laughs> um, it happened, and this is a very common game, um, we have it by someone who is selling um, Mileborns. Right, right. Um, and that is a game that, it's a very old game. It's From like a French, a yeah, it's a French game. Um, And it's actually one that my mom has an old copy from the 50s. And we used to play it a lot growing up. It was just a fun game that her and I would play because my dad doesn't really like games. And um, so it just happened we saw this guy was selling a a newer copy of it. In fact, his is fun. It was an anniversary edition. So it has a little car that everything sits in. So we bought that for her just as a funny gift. And also so that she doesn't have to keep playing her old... um, kind of retro version and that can be kept nice and pristine and so she can play this one as like okay this is your play one the other one's right.
0: your like plus also that as are fun souvenir from the convention yeah for her. exactly because I always think it's weird to give someone a souvenir of like I went to France and I got you an Eiffel Tower keychain
2: yeah why
0: <laughs> thanks yeah you know? but, but this is something she can actually enjoy
1: yeah but it was definitely an interesting experience doing that um I would definitely like if you know I don't know if we're gonna go next year but um like we, if we go back to Dice Tower, we're I definitely doing we're doing that again. um The one thing that we didn't take advantage of is they were also doing online versions, and oh, were they? Tra- they were doing math trades and online trades where you know you would pre arrange it, and then once you got to the convention, you would hand it off.
0: Oh, I did remember hearing about that. Yeah, so yeah. you can say like, "Hey, I've got a copy of Smash Up. Who wants to trade it for something? Oh, I've got a copy of Pandemic. That I'm willing to trade." What version of Pandemic?
1: Yeah, yeah, but um, I definitely think there's a couple games on our shelves that we know that we don't necessarily want anymore. Um, so we might yeah. take advantage of that um, in the future. Mm, I
0: mean, we we definitely did have an episode about games we regretted getting. You know, yeah. That we played once or twice. But, like, I think it's good I'm to... I'm looking
1: at you, Nyctophobia.
0: <laughs> I, I know, I know. It's an interesting concept, but I it's know. just execution is... And
1: we wanted it so bad. And then when we played it, we were like, oh, this isn't working. Right.
0: But I think that, you know... Just like with kind of like library books, you know, uh-huh. it's good to like keep games in circulation amongst mm-hmm. like people that enjoy them. Yeah. So that way, you know, you can keep the the hobby thriving, you know, and mm-hmm. of course always buy new games if you really want it, you know. Yeah. But if you have a system where you can trade them and pass them around, why mm-hmm.
1: not? Yeah. And I mean, it was, it was interesting to see. I mean, it was kind of funny because there was a lot of games that I was seeing repeats of. And it was funny because a couple of people, I was like, why do you have five copies of Smash Up? You're insane. And then there were some that I was like, oh, that was the game they gave away last year. Got okay. it. Yeah, yeah, that's why it's on the table uh, Yeah. Um, but, you know, I definitely people were buying a lot of stuff and people were, like, excited about little gems. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe you have this because maybe it's a game that is not being printed anymore. Right, or it's right. hard to find. Or, you know, you don't live in a town that has a local game store or whatever it is. Um, so it was definitely kind of a cool way to see games
0: that maybe you don't see that often or you haven't seen in a while. Yeah, there's this is one guy in the corner. I found he had a Golden Girls board game. I'm yeah, like, really? Golden Girls <laughs> board game? All right. Like...
1: Yeah, there was, there was a couple other that we, we kind of had our eye on but that we decided not to get um
0: just because we didn't want to go too crazy yeah exactly and also we were like remember we have to carry this back to the car
1: (laughs) yeah and we we have a lot of other expenses so we were like let's not go too crazy with buying more games when we have games we haven't even played (laughs) Mm -hmm. so that was our dice tower haul we um kept it kind of late this year but um we definitely had fun acquiring those new games
0: yes and thankfully now we can play them during our time inside (laughs) exactly
1: um, so let's move on to something that we're not going to getting to do a lot of now that we are confined to our home, and that is escape rooms. So for this escape room report, we have something kind of special. We have a back-to-back
0: escape room. Oh, I love it when this happens. <laughs>
1: um, and so this was the escape room that we decided to do while we were in Vegas, actually at Dice Tower. Um, we decided this year we only wanted to do one location we because we wanted to focus more on spending time at the convention. Mm. And last year, when we did um we did two, rooms and both times it was kind of a struggle to leave the convention because you know you kind of also have to plan well we can't get into a game right now because we have to leave in a half hour it's difficult to work that out so it it took too much time away from the convention we felt so this time we were like well we want to do a room in vegas um but we're only going to do go one place and last year we had heard really great things about um lost games um so the problem was With this room, um, you had to have a minimum of three players. Yeah. And although we were kind of inviting other people at the convention to join us, we couldn't guarantee that we were going to be able to find anyone. So we're like, let's not take that risk. Let's just do a different place. So we we didn't book it. Well, this year when I was looking for rooms, I saw that they have changed that, and now the minimum is two. So we could safely book it, and then if other people wanted to join us, we could um, add them on. Mm -hmm. And then I saw the... Extra special bonus is that their rooms are chapter based and they actually do a back to back experience.
0: So I was like,
1: this is definitely has to happen.
0: Yeah, because I love back to backs because any time that you say from the first game gets to pop over as changed to the second game. Yeah. And in my experience, usually the second games, you're like, you think you'd be in the twin things, but uh-huh. those can be harder.
1: The rooms at um, Lost Games are essentially their asylum. Um, themed right, right. there you're in kind of an insane asylum the first room is chapter one the doctor doctor secret and the second room is chapter two
0: playtime so essentially it's like late 19th century like psychological studies themed. Uh-huh. but one of them is like you're in the doctor's study and then his laboratory for like where he's doing the experiments yeah. patients to try to f- crack the human genome or mind rather Uh, and then the other one is like, you're crazy patients go to the playroom, spend time there. Yeah.
1: And then, but the whole thing is there's this through line of you are trying to, you are mental patients trying to escape. Right. So the first thing is you're finding out about this evil doctor, then you're sent to the playroom and
0: you're, but you're still trying to escape essentially. right? You're sent to the playroom, which we'll get into later that has a special guest in there that like you're essentially put in there as punishment by the wards Mm -hmm. because they're like oh you were caught outside of your rooms after hours you could spend the rest of the day or the night in the playroom with sandy you know
1: (laughs) yeah um so we were able to get um two other people from the convention to come join us um ted and andrew Mm -hmm. um and we had a lot of fun they had done a couple rooms not as many as we had but who has (laughs) they they
0: still like rocked a lot of those puzzles
1: yeah i mean i think there there's definitely something to be said by taking a bunch of um board gamers and putting them into an escape room like they're constantly you know problem solving and you know they they understand game theory right Mm -hmm. so
0: they were really doing well in those puzzles also another fun little pattern i noticed the year before, when we did the escape room in Vegas, the mm-hmm. guy that we did the escape room with, he won one of the auctions. Uh-huh. For this one, I'm pretty sure one of them won something from one of the auctions. Oh, so guys, play escape rooms with us; it pays off when it comes yeah, to really. game auctions.
1: <laughs> what's What's fun too is both times um, we played, we ended up playing with two guys who were friends from you know wherever, yeah. and so that that was kind of fun that that happened again. Um, but what's so what's kind of neat about this location is they essentially have. Your game master, and the person giving you the hints... Oh, I love this. ...is um, another patient. And this guy was a hoot. In fact, at one point, he tried to steal me from you. and yeah. Because he took you away and locked you in a separate area. And then I was like, oh, well, I guess my fiance's gone. And he's like, well, you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and he's like supposed to be kind of like adult man, child mind. Yeah. yeah. And,
1: and we definitely we had to kind of waste some time at a point because... Some other people hadn't gotten done with the room yet, and things like that. So he was out in the lobby playing around with us. We were he and he was in character the whole time. And he was like, "No, don't do it like
0: that." <laughs> yeah. And, like, you okay,
1: and we were messing with him by messing up the little puzzles and then giving like, it back no, to him. No, it, look, it's
0: fine. No, it's not. Put it back. No, it's that's the way I
1: found it. <laughs> and then they take us to the essentially the it's the like the debrief room where they're going to give you the um, rules. But it's kind of set up to almost look like part of an escape room. And Greg was convinced that it was part okay, of the escape room. here's the thing. And started trying to take things apart.
0: Yeah. As a kid, number one movie growing up, Labyrinth. Uh-huh. Where it is all about wasting Sarah's time. And so I said, hey, guys, you know it's a great idea? You ever hear the story about how they put you in a room... And they tell you sit here and do nothing, but you actually the clock has started and you're supposed to get going. Uh-huh. Why are you sitting there doing nothing? <laughs> Let's start tearing this place. Like, can you move so I can look under this cushion? And the guy comes in, he's looking at me like, "So now that we know this is not part of the room."
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: it was pretty funny. <laughs> and then I was like, "Am I in trouble?" And he goes, "We'll see."
2: <laughs> um, Another
0: fun part that they did was mm-hmm. they had one of the wards come in, and he gave us little paper cups with a pill in it it's probably yeah. a tic tac it was know? a tic tac yes and then he's like everyone take your medicine and everyone does and i being sneaky guy that i was pretended to shoot it but i had to go to the side of my mouth and it hit the mm-hmm. floor i hope i was hoping like please no one heard that you yeah know? And no one did and so afterwards like the the patient and goes okay no one took that medicine right that's rule number one And everyone's like no we didn't and i'm like i did not and i had my pony huggles, well, someone's smart, aren't they? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> and so that became a running joke as well. That because had apparently taken the, the pills were
0: poison. And I'm like, so you're all going to die except for someone who thinks they're too good for this room.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and I'm like, hey, man, survival of the fittest. Yeah.
1: So the first room um was interesting you know it was kind of like a doctor's study and then you eventually get into his lab there was a lot of science based experiments identifying species everything was really in theme mm-hmm. with the room um, you know, there wasn't anything too different than we haven't seen in the past per se. Some of the science ones were definitely kind of difficult. Like I, there was at least one that I wouldn't have figured out. You well, guys... that's
0: why we had to read the periodic table of elements.
1: Well, no, but there wasn't, it wasn't that one. It was the one where you had to like identify the different jars and it was oh, like with a the gene sequencing. Yeah, the gene sequencing. There's no way I would have gotten
0: that. Oh, out. I totally got that. Like, yeah. It, it was, um, it was Ted and I working on it. And as Like, I was kind of getting there, but all of a sudden he had that, like, I got it. And I was like, okay, uh, what? Yeah, <laughs> I, I turned to him, like, okay, so he explains. Yeah, so like, you
1: guys were definitely in more of the science. I was, like, the one out there being like, I was a humanities major. Like, I don't understand any of this. I was a history major, um, but I still know. Yeah, but you were also a science teacher for a while. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, that room, it, I don't think it's at all my favorite room ever. Um, it was an enjoyable room. I definitely think, you know you you almost you have to do these rooms almost back to back for that room to really shine i would Mm say um you you know and also obviously they had this room first and you can see the progression already into the second room so i don't think this went exactly to plan when we got done with that room we got done very quickly yeah as we do um and so instead of going straight to the other room Um, they took us back to that kind of waiting room and we were waiting for a while and we had kind of gotten a preview of what that back-to-back experience is like. Normally they turn out all the lights and they kind of do this like, oh, you need to run to the other room before the guards catch you. Um, but I think what happened is because we got done so fast and they weren't done setting up, they weren't done setting up the other room. Um, So that couldn't quite happen as organically as they may have wanted it to. But, I mean, like I said, at least we did kind of get a preview of that because we got there early and kind of witnessed the other Mm -hmm. people doing it. Right. Um, So we kind of knew, like, what to expect in that terms you know i i wish that we would have had a little bit of a more organic way through but we kind of had this thing going with our game master and this and rocket, it was great know. because
0: it then gave him a chance to kind of build more narrative yeah because then we go back he goes okay so now you're not going to die that's great <laughs> i mean some of them was going to survive anyways <laughs> but so here's here's the plan and he gets out like these childlike drawings like mm-hmm. step one play with the toys yeah step two be sneaky step three don't get caught and that's how we escape yeah and it's like okay you know so then he like essentially asks us like you know like who's going to be the one to go and do the secret mission with me and he's looking me dead in the face yeah who's going to be the one anybody want to volunteer (laughs) completely voluntary whoever Mm -hmm. wants and i'm like i'll do it he goes oh good so he takes me down this dark corridor which is like him like this tiny little flashlight and he's like, we got to be extra sneaky. We're going to go down this thing. And then all of a sudden, the ward comes up behind us with a flash. Like, what are you guys doing out of bed? And like, oh. And he goes, he was trying to escape. And he just, like, disappears into the dark. And I'm like, wow.
1: And then he comes back to us, and he's like, well, he got caught. And and so
0: I got put into, like, this solitary confinement box. Uh-huh. That was, it was, like, three feet square. So, like, it's enough room for me to, like, move around in, Yeah. But, like, dark in there, you know? Yeah. And, I could hear you guys coming in, and I was trying to, like, you know, okay, so how do we get me out of here, you know?
1: Yeah, and so what's interesting is our directions were that there were there's going to be things in the room that you're going to want to work on, but you really should focus on getting him out because as you do more things in the room, it's going to become significantly harder to get him out. And we came across that. So we started working on how to get you out. Mm -hmm. And one of the other guys, Andrew, was looking around the room. And we kind of solved a couple things where we figured out we had to put this doll in certain areas. Mm -hmm. So he started mimicking these photos with the doll, which we knew we needed to do. And in doing that, he triggered it so the lights went out. Which then made it a lot more difficult to To get get you out. Because we had to read things on the box and we didn't have a lot of light. And so he started to go on to a next puzzle. And I was like, no, no, no. Do not solve anything else, do not change anything else. We need to just get him out because God knows what's gonna happen next, it's gonna make it harder. Like right. we need to follow what they said. <laughs> so this room, uh playtime, like we said, it's supposed to be the recreation room, right? Mm-hmm. This room was definitely is the the
0: star of the location. I just gotta say, love the music choices. Mm-hmm. I actually had found a couple of those songs like My Echo My Shadow in Me by mm-hmm. the black by the ink dots. Like Literally the week before and I'm like and they're playing the song. This is my song, this is my room. I was dead.
1: Um, they had some cool technology. Um, they have this doll thing that was um that you are interacting with and she's talking to you creepily.
0: Okay, that was a cool hint system because uh-huh. in the in the first room the hint system is that our our buddy is mm-hmm. like I'm gonna be hiding in the air vents and you can just shout out and I'll hear you. Yeah. But in this one, it's supposed to be like the doll is like a ghost-possessed thing, and it's mm-hmm. talking to us. And like, yeah, there's like a radio inside the doll. Yeah. And it sounded cool, and Yeah. it worked.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so we're going through that room, and we're, you know, there, once again, everything is in theme with the room. There, there is more of a haunted element to this room. Mm-hmm. So certain things are happening more because they're haunted. Um, but you're also working on, you know, trying to figure out how to turn on lights to different parts of the asylum. You know, once again, all of the puzzles are fitting in with the environment. We're not unlocking a bunch of things. We're not using a bunch of keypads. There were no keypads in this right. room. You know, um, so eventually we get into more of a a washroom, I guess you could say.
0: Yeah, like an aqua therapy room.
1: Yeah, and you actually get to do some uh, playing with some liquids. Yeah. <laughs> um, and eventually... We escape through um, kind of an unconventional means. We got to take a little ride. Down a garbage chute. (laughs) Down a garbage chute um, to escape. Um, And, you know... We were successful. We got out. I would say the, the second room definitely took us a lot longer than the yeah, first well, room. Yeah, well, some of the
0: puzzles were a bit of a stumper.
1: I still think we, we got through that room in less than an hour low.
0: Oh, definitely. No, we didn't need to use any of the time left over from the first room. No, but it, it was but
1: definitely a more, it's it's the more challenging room. Definitely,
0: yeah. Like, there's one, I mean, it's on their website. I don't think it's as mm-hmm. much to spoil it to say. There is one that has a chess board. Uh huh. And that one, we were constantly like, that's it right and but then we didn't realize we were still missing a piece yeah and then suddenly we'd find another one because they have a reference photo for where stuff goes but it's really hard to see what's in that photo because it's black and white yeah the chessboard's black and white see like oh wait no oh he has a piece here oh darn you know Mm Hmm.
1: so um and then, then what was funny is afterwards um once we finally got out we went back to take a picture and i didn't even realize that the doll like I thought like it was maybe pre-recorded or something. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize it actually had um someone on, the other, someone on the other end of it because then like the the doll and our game master were fighting. Yeah. <laughs> and like the doll was insulting him and stuff. It was it's pretty, pretty funny. <laughs> um But I definitely, like, that second room was definitely um, a lot of fun. It kind of made the experience. Not to say that the Doctor's Secret's a bad room. It's just not the stronger of the two. But it is a
0: fun-themed room, the Doctor's Secret. It definitely hits that, um, like, evil laboratory note pretty strong.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would say if you can only do one room, do playtime. Agreed. But I would recommend doing the back-to-back experience because I think together it's more of a the experience of both of those rooms and going from location to location it's not something that you find very often these back-to-back experiences and i definitely think if you do find them you should take advantage of them because Mm -hmm. that transition that larger story that larger world is really worth it
0: yeah i definitely agree and just make sure that when you go there, don't eat your pills. The Guys, never eat pills that someone just gives you.
1: <laughs> and what's funny is, um, actually, one of the guys who was working that night um, also works for Trapped, oh, which is another that. Yeah, company yeah. that we like. And he actually had a hand in um, creating one of our favorite Trapped rooms, Grandma's Surprise. Yeah, he did. Um, so we, we got to kind
0: of nerd out and talk about that. <laughs>
1: yeah, but um, we had a lot of fun at um, Lost Games, and we highly recommend it if you are in the Vegas area.
0: So now let's move on to some other favorites of ours, our Friday favorites.
1: So for my Friday favorites, this is a a new acquisition that we got. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, we talked earlier about how much we like the um, Hogwarts battle, Harry Potter, um, but I had found out that they actually have a separate two-player game, um, which is Harry Potter, Hogwarts Battle, Defense Against the Dark Arts, And this is a two-player, um, almost like dueling battle. It's... Right. It
0: reminds me of that Gilderoy Lockhart scene. And I think, yes. Is he book two or three? I think he's two, two. yeah. Where like he's trying to teach them how to duel. Yeah. I was surprised that never came back up in the books or the I movie. Know, by the way. Yeah. I guess Harry's like, I all got time for this. I'm fighting <laughs> Voldemort, to yeah. teach me how to duel. Voldemort fights dirty. Yeah.
1: Well, it didn't go over too well either. Um... But yeah, so this is... It's a two-player. You're dueling. It's still a deck builder. Um, There are some similar cards, but there's also a lot of different cards. Um, It's still pretty spell-heavy, although there's still items. And then you also have... um, your additional um, allies as well, and those they have different abilities. And, and the allies, like that. once
0: they get played, they stay out.
1: Yeah, until until someone gets stunned, and then everything goes back into your hand. Right. But you keep your hand.
0: But I like how yeah, and so like you constantly reset back to one, uh-huh. but you keep all the experience that you got from the previous games, so it keeps building. Yeah. Essentially, you're playing best three out of five.
1: Yeah, and it it can start a little slow because you don't have a lot to stun and there are several ways to heal mm-hmm. so at first it was like okay well we're never we're never gonna get through this like it's taking forever but then as you build up your hand more you get ways where you can combo and like take someone down a ton yeah like at one point, at point i was full health and
0: all of a sudden i'm down to one yeah because you were like bam bam
1: yeah so it takes a little while um but for a two-player game it's also not like done super quickly you're not just It's not, the game's not just over Mm -hmm. Um, one because there's several rounds, obviously. Um, But so that's kind of nice for a two player game. You can actually like sit down and play for a while. Right. Um, So I really enjoyed it. We've only um, gotten it out once so far. Um, And I will say, though that you want to buy um, Neville. He is the OP card.
0: I mean, Neville is a good healer. But that's just because you're going defensive. If I go full offensive, I bet you I can override him.
1: I don't and, know. You were having a pretty hard time getting also, a hold
0: on me. Neville is one card in the entire deck. So you've got to hope that he comes up. Yeah,
1: I'm just saying, if you see Neville, he, he may not look it, but he's definitely an OP card to have.
0: Well, he is potentially the chosen one.
1: <laughs> potentially.
0: It just depends on how you look at it and <laughs> how the prophecy reads.
1: So yeah, so that is the uh, Defense Against the Dark Arts two-player Harry Potter.
0: Yeah. So um, with you know the quarantine and the fact and all of that, um, we got a lot of time in our hands. We yeah. do a lot of time to watch movies and play mm-hmm. games. And the one that I like that is a good combination of those two things of mine that I enjoy is the legendary James Bond game that you got me. <laughs> and you know it's fun because once again randomized, not optimized. Mm-hmm. So I can mix and match different bonds and different Bond girls and gadgets and, you know, uh, you know. Uh, M's and allies and stuff like that to have like a really interesting experience as uh-huh. they go against the major villains. So it it, it, it does have a one player variant to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's usually I think better with two to four. But you know if no one else can come over you know yeah. I can play by myself and uh-huh. enjoy while having one of the films on in the background. And that also brings me to my closing point of uh, for our other podcast movie Date Night. I am going to start a small spin-off project where I am going to be holding my James Bond fantasy movie draft. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be recruiting people to come join us for that. Yeah. And it's, um, I've already got about five people signed up for it. I'm mm-hmm. looking to get about 10 to 12. And yeah, we're going to go through the majority, if not all the James Bond films. Uh, we will score them like a fantasy movie draft. Each category, like Bond girl, has uh-huh. things I score her for like oh, she took somebody out on her own. Mm-hmm. That's points. She directly helped Bond when he needed the help. That's yeah. points. Um, you know, or like a villain, like, oh, the long, he monologues the more points you get.
2: Uh-huh. You know?
0: So it's going to be a fantasy draft like that where there's no way that... Because the, the, the problem is that these films are already in the can. Yeah. While most sporting events, like, you don't know what's going to happen when the Rams go against, you know, the Broncos. Uh-huh. You know, because they haven't played yet. Yeah. So what I've done is I've got things to keep track of points for that even though I've seen all the films like multiple times, there's no way I kept this off the top of my head. Of mm-hmm. like, how many villains does Oddjob kill? You know, yeah. like who knows? You uh-huh. know, off the top of your head for that. And so we're going to fantasy movie pick like draft all the different things. So for example, when I play with friends, you specifically chose Roger Moore from Moonraker. Uh-huh. So only the points that James Bond gets from that movie goes to your score. Meanwhile, I chose Roger Moore from The Spy Who Loved Me. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I'm looking at that one. So trying to find which Bond is best in what movie, what Bond girl, what Bond villain, things like that. So I'm going to do some posting online. And like I said, I want to try to get up to 8 to 12. Mm -hmm. or Sorry, I want to try to get up to 10 to 12. I have about 5 right now, 6 if I include myself. Mm -hmm. So if anyone else would be interested to join, you know, uh, you can send us a direct message on Twitter or Facebook and uh, I can talk details with you.
1: Yep, yeah, and you know we have no set date yet, but um, we'll definitely be. Even though it's going to be more of a movie date night project, mm-hmm. um, we'll definitely you'll hear about it here on our social media. Because well, it's also so. a game,
0: and Friday is game night.
1: <laughs> that it is. Um, music for this episode is Mega Rest by TwinMusic.com you can find us anywhere podcasts are available however rates and reviews on iTunes are much appreciated as it helps new listeners find our podcast and we all need podcasts right now yeah. we can be found at Game Friday on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook come talk games with us thanks for listening and goodbye stay safe, wash your hands